0: We are on Yevomos Ain Vav Amalav 76a, and we are beginning a new Mishnah. New Mishnah, a new topic. The Mishnah says, shifcha. So it, it's continuing along the same lines from where we left off. It's discussing uh, the prohibition for somebody who has wounded or crushed testicles uh, to marry uh, a Jew. They're not allowed to get married to somebody else. However, our Mishnah will be discussing the exceptions to this rule. So somebody who has crushed or wounded testicles, again, the last uh, couple of recordings discussed uh, the limitations to this ruling, that it's only if it's not from an act of God, and uh, other limitations as well, and it only applies according to many if they're not able to have children. Uh, But if you have such a person... They are allowed to marry, even though they're not allowed to marry most uh, Jews, they are allowed to marry a convert, or also another form of a convert to a non-Jewish slave who essentially converts. So, essentially they're allowed to marry a convert. The reason for this is because the prohibition only applies to those who are included in the kahal. Now the kahal, the congregation, it's unclear, it's exactly what that is referring to, uh, but it's not referring to the Jewish people. A convert is 100% Jewish, and they are part of the Jewish people. However, they are not included in the term kahal, they're not a term in, included in the term of the congregation, and as such, uh, there are various people who are not allowed to marry into the kahal, but they are allowed to marry other Jews. And included in that is this case of a Ptsuadaka and kreshevcha, somebody who has wounded or crushed testicles. Such a person is allowed to marry a convert because they are not included in the kahal, in the congregation. <coughs> Excuse me, the prohibition only is referring to uh, those who are part of the congregation. As the Pesach says, as the verse says, shenamar lo yovah ptsuah, daka, kreshevcha, that uh, a person who has crushed testicles or their member is severed, they cannot enter into the congregation. It's not that they cannot marry somebody who's Jewish, they're allowed to marry somebody who's Jewish, but not marry somebody who's part of the congregation of Hashem. and so they are allowed to marry a convert. That is the Mishnah. So the Gemara says as follows of Ravshesh, they asked of Ravsheshus, they asked the following question to Ravsheshus. What happens in the following case? So the Mishnah was discussing somebody who is a Adaka, who has crushed testicles who is not a Kohen. What happens if it's referring to a Kohen? Now when it comes to a Kohen, this becomes a bit problematic because we said that the only people that they can marry are converts. Now a Kohen is not allowed to marry a convert. A regular Kohen is not allowed to marry a convert. So the question that was asked was, what happens if you have a Kohen who has, uh, has crushed testicles, essentially? Uh, are they allowed to marry somebody who is a convert? In general, a Kohen cannot marry a convert. It's something that we've discussed in the past. A Kohen is not allowed to marry a convert, uh, either because we are concerned that prior to, to the conversion they uh, be, had the status of a zona." based on their uh, sexual relations and sexual encounters, um, or because they're just just—they're not allowed to marry a Kohen, independent of that, uh, but they're not allowed to marry a Kohen. What happens if we have a Kohen who is a Psuadaka? They have crushed testicles. So do we say, the question ultimately becomes is, do we say that at the very least, with regards to the laws of marriage, the Kohen status is now removed? Maybe not for all the laws of a Kohen, But at least with regards to the laws, that that itself is a discussion, but at least with regards to the laws of a Kohen who they are allowed to marry, excuse me, who they're not allowed to marry. So maybe if they're a psuadaka, those rules fall by the wayside. And therefore they would be allowed, in fact, to marry a convert, just like a Yisrael, somebody who's not a Kohen, who has crushed testicles, they are allowed to marry a convert. Maybe a Kohen could also, this would be an exception to the rule, because they don't have... Because they are a Petsuadaka, because they have crushed testicles, so therefore the level of their kedusha, of their holiness as a kohen, doesn't exist uh, with regards to who, with regards to their marriage and who they're allowed to marry. That is the question. That's, that's the question that's being asked. So Rosheshes answers as follows: Amr Luhu Rosheshes. I can bring you a proof from the following brayso, a different case: Petuadaka Yisrael mutar we say that if you're a Ptua a Yisrael, not a Kohen, but a, a regular Yisrael, has wounded or crushed testicles, they are allowed to marry a Nesina. Who is a Nesina? A Nesina, they were during the times of Yahushua, of Joshua. They were part of the Giv'onim, a tribe at that time. Who, and they disguised themselves as travelers. They lived in the land of Israel, but they disguised themselves as travelers to sort of trick Yahushua, Joshua, and allow them to convert um, and they were tricking Joshua in terms of the conversion, and they have the status of, they, they refer to as Nisinim, they're Nisina, um, and we'll see that there's a prohibition, you're not allowed to marry them. Nobody's allowed to marry them. We'll see whether it's a biblical prohibition or a rabbinic prohibition in a minute, but you're not allowed to marry them. However, the Brysa does say that if the person, the Jew, is a Ptsuadaka, is somebody who has crushed testicles, so then they are allowed, in fact, to get married. So how could that be? If in fact They remain and have the status of a Jew Again, we're not talking about a Cohen, We're talking about regular Jews But if they have that holiness of a regular Jew How could you say such a thing? How could you say they're allowed to marry Nisina Just because they have crushed testicles Why would that make any difference? If they have the status of a, of a, of a Jew It would be a violation of intermarriage We know that that's not allowed so must be, says Rav Sheshesh, yes, this is his proof, that if a person has a psuadaka, they have a crushed testicles, so then they also lose their kedusha, at least with regards to the marriage. We're not going to say that they're not Jewish. No, we wouldn't say they're not Jewish. They certainly are Jewish. But at least with regards to the laws of marriage, we'll say that they are allowed to even marry, in this case, a sinah. It will be permissible for them to marry uh, this person who... Went through this conversion. It was uh, it was unclear exactly whether it was a complete conversion or not, um, uh, because they, they tried to trick Yahushua. It was probably a good conversion, but and therefore they're allowed to marry them as opposed to other non Jews. Uh, but but it was done through trickery, and so therefore there was a prohibition for other Jews to marry them. Uh, but this Pesudaka, this person who has crushed testicles, because they lowered their because. With regards to the laws of marriage, they, they have a lower level of kedushah, of the sanctity, of being part of the Jewish people. Um, so therefore, they are allowed to marry them. That's what Rav says. And therefore, he would conclude, the same thing should apply if the ptsuadaka, the person who has crushed testicles, is a Kohen. That they lose their status of a Kohen. And then they would be, in fact, allowed to marry a convert. Uh, that's what that's what Rav Shishis wants to say. Not that the Kohen loses their status completely necessarily, but at least with regards to with regards to the marriage and who they're allowed to marry. That's the opinion of Rav Sheshes. now argues. I'm a Rubber. Rav. Ravah says no. Rabbi says no the whole prohibition if they did convert then it's seen them. if they converted the whole prohibition is only rabbinic it's not a biblical prohibition. The biblical prohibition is only when they're not Jewish completely that they didn't convert they did convert and so it's only a rabbinic prohibition. What's the rabbinic prohibition? The rabbinic prohibition is parallel to what's stated in the Torah. What does it say in the Torah? It says that there's a concern that the children, Will serve idols. If you marry them, these people are serving idols, they're idol worshippers. We are concerned that the children will serve idols. So the concern is purely on the children. If the concern is on the children, well, these people, a psuadaka, somebody who has crushed ethicals, cannot have children. So there's no concern. Since it's all on a rabbinic level, Rufus says that no, the reason why a regular Jew can marry a Nasina is allowed to marry somebody who converted, but they're still idol worshippers. They tricked Yoshua, they tricked Joshua, is because they converted. You're allowed to marry them. Everybody's allowed to marry them on a biblical level. It's only on a rabbinic level that they're not allowed to marry them. The reason is, is because we're concerned that their children are going to follow in the ways of the idol worshippers. But that's only if they have children. So why is the Pesu allowed to marry them? Because they're not going to have children. Nothing to do with lowering their level of holiness. As part of, they're completely Jewish. They have the same level of sanctity as any other Jew. It's just that there's no, there's no issue here because they're not going to have children. That's what Ravah says and completely rejects Rav Shehosh's suggestion. They weren't asks on this uh, on this rejection of Rava. They say, well, "Well, slow down a second. They ask, "On Rava? Well, slow down. A mamzer, somebody who is the child of an illicit relationship, so they're also not allowed to marry most Jews. But we say they are allowed to marry people from the nisina, from this." A group of people who converted. They are they are allowed to marry them. Why should they be allowed to marry them? A mamzer could have children. We should be concerned that they'll have children. And then the children won't follow in the ways of the Torah. A mamzer has to keep the entire Torah. There's a limitation in terms of uh, in terms of marriage. Who they can marry. But they're Jewish. They have to keep the Torah. Their children have to keep the Torah. So why is a mamzer allowed to marry the Nasin? We should be concerned that the children um, will serve idols. So Rabbi explains, Ella, rather, this is how you have to explain it. It's on a rabbinic level. Ki However, b'psulim lo Essentially, it's not about whether or not they could have children. Because you're right, a mom's there could have children. Rather, this is all a rabbinic decree. After they convert, there's a rabbinic decree that you cannot marry an Isina. There's a rule. We have a principle that when the rabbis made a decree, they made the rule... For regular normal cases, cases that are common. However, cases that are not common, the rule does not apply. It's referred to as Milsa de Loshricha. Only for cases that are common. So what are the cases that are not common that didn't apply? A Daka, fairly uncommon, to have somebody who has crushed testicles. Or a mamzer, a mamzer, the child of an illicit relationship, also uncommon. So the rule doesn't apply to them. They're allowed to marry Nasina. But in the end of the day, he still rejects Rav point. The idea at the end of the day, at least at this stage of the Gemara, is that this person is allowed to marry Nasina. Why? Because the rabbis didn't institute their decree upon them. Because it's uncommon. Nothing to do with the fact that they've lost their level of sanctity as being part of the Jewish people and therefore Cohen also loses their sanctity. No, nothing to do with that. It's just because when the rabbis made a decree, they applied the decree only to the normal a regular common cases. This is not a common case. Uh, to a doctor crushed testicles or moms There's not a common case and they, therefore they're allowed to marry a However, that's at this stage of the Gemara. Rava then retracts from all of us. Hadam Rava, no. Lav milsihi. de nisgairu is Rava retracts. And he says that with regards to this particular negative commandment which says that you shouldn't intermarry on a biblical level that is actually referring to after conversion after conversion you are not allowed to marry that particular convert the nausin it's specifically referring to the nausin the person who tried to trick the group of people that tried to trick Yeshua, joshua in terms of conversion on a biblical level you cannot marry them because before the conversion They are still idol worshippers. We don't even recognize it as a marriage. Intermarriage is not even recognized as a marriage. We wouldn't even use the language of marriage to say, In the Hebrew, that you're not allowed to marry them, that uh, that language is not even used before they convert, because it's not even recognized as a marriage between a Jew and a non-Jew. So when we say that you're not allowed to marry them, it means after the conversion, and it's certainly not referring to all converts, it's referring to the converts of the Nusen, of this Group of people who attempted to convert. to They converted, but they tricked Joshua out of it. And so therefore, it's on a biblical level. It's not really on a rabbinic level. Rav has been saying until now that it's all on a rabbinic level. It doesn't apply to a daka or to a mamzer. No! Rav retracts, and he says, that, No, it's really on a biblical level. Once it's on a biblical level, it applies across the board. It applies to everybody. So why is it then that a psuadaka, somebody who has crushed testicles, or a ma- specifically a ptsuadaka, why is it that they could marry... So the answer is, the reason why they're allowed to marry a nausin goes back to Rosh goes back to our original point, that it's true. When it comes to the laws of marriage, the Jew is allowed to marry them because their level of holiness, at least with regards to the laws of marriage, has been removed. And therefore, they're allowed to marry also a nausin. And similarly, a Kohen, who has crushed testicles, would be allowed to marry a convert because they lose their status of Kohen, at least with regards to the laws of marriage and who they're allowed to marry could be that they still have other laws of Kohen that still apply to them. But at least with regards to the laws of marriage, that is the conclusion of Ravah to say that uh, they are in fact allowed to marry converts. Even though a Kohen in general cannot marry a convert, they could marry a convert. Okay. That is that part of the Gemara. That's really the first half of the Gemara. The Gemara now is going to sort of switch directions and really focus on whether or not a person uh, intermarriage, when a Jew marries a non-Jew, is that recognized as a marriage or not? Because Rava's conclusion, the whole basis for his conclusion, was that you can't even view that, you can't even use the word marriage in that context, because we don't recognize it as a marriage. So therefore, when the Torah tells us, do not marry them, it can't be referring to before conversion, as a non-Jew, because it's not even recognized as a marriage. It must be referring to after conversion, and it's specifically referring to the Nasa. So on that note, the says, wait, well, we'll slow down a second. Mesa Reviosef Reviosef asks, we know that in the Tanakh it says Shlomo <speaking in Hebrew> amelch King Solomon he married many women including the daughter of Paro the daughter of the king, the king of Egypt uh, it says that he married her. How could it use the language that he married her? How could it use that language? She was the daughter of Paro. She wasn't Jewish. You could say that it's referring to just some sort of treaty and it was some sort of marriage, but how could you say use the language that it's actually a halakhic marriage? The thing where says, no, it's not a problem. Gyuri Megaira. He converted her. It wasn't that they, it was just, uh, it wasn't just a political marriage. It was an actual marriage and, and King Salman converted her. And so therefore, you could use the language of khatin that they actually got married because they did get married. It was after the conversion, but before the conversion, it's true. you can't use that language because we don't recognize it as a marriage. So the Gemara then says, They ask a a side point that they ask, Wait a minute. There's a ruling. We've seen this earlier as well. That a person is not allowed to convert during the days of David, of King David and King Solomon. Why? Because we assume that they're converting not uh, for the right reasons, but for ulterior motives. Because it was good to be Jewish at the time. It was good. They were on top. And so therefore... We don't accept them because we don't we think we think they're doing it for ulterior motives. So how could they, how could Solomon King Solomon uh, convert the daughter of Paro? So the answer is no. Now that was for people who wanted it to to have the great life. The daughter of Paro she already had a great life. She wasn't converting to have an even better life. She was uh, she was already uh, part of the royalty. She's part of the royalty of Egypt. So she didn't need this, and so therefore it wasn't. For ulterior motives. It was for the right reasons. Uh, for the daughter of Paro. The Gamar then asks, Okay, wait. But he, how could Shlomo really marry the daughter of Paro even after conversion? There is a rule, there is a law in the Torah that says that you're not allowed to marry an Egyptian who converts until they have three generations. They need to have three generations. Once they convert, they're not allowed to mar- marry most Jews. You have to wait three generations down and then you could you could start marrying that line of converts from Egypt. But she's the daughter of Paran. If she converted herself, that's first generation. So how could Shlomo, King Solomon, marry her? So the Gemara interjects and says as follows, Wait a minute. Maybe you're going to tell me that there are the Egyptians that live in Egypt at the time of King Solomon and were not the same Egyptians as the ones who who uh, put the Jews in slavery. Maybe they're different Egyptians. Maybe new people came along. How could it be? So Rashi explains because all the men died out during Kriyas Yamsev, during the splitting of the sea. All the, uh, the Egyptian men were, died. And even, according to some, even the ones that were in Egypt at the time that didn't run after the Jews, they also died at the same time. So maybe there are no more Egyptian men around. And so therefore it must be that it's a, a totally new nation. And so therefore the whole prohibition doesn't really apply anymore. It applied for the generation of, of those who left uh, Egypt, but it doesn't apply anymore. Maybe we should entertain such a possibility. The Gemara rejects it. And the Gemara says no. It is the same. It is the same. Uh, the same nation. How do we know? Hatanya. It's taught in a Amr Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says. Min yamin ger Rabbi Kiva. There was an Egyptian convert named Minyamin, who was one of the students of Rabbi Kiva, and he said, Amar. I was a first generation uh, convert, Egyptian convert. I married a first generation Egyptian convert. We had a child. We had a child. I married an Egyptian convert. That child also married a second generation Egyptian convert. So that my grandchild, is third generation, my grandchild now could marry any Jew. Could marry any Jew. That's what he says. And he's saying this way after, this is the student of Rabbi Kiva, this certainly was way after uh, King Shlomo, King, King Solomon, And so therefore, we see that it's really the, the same nation. It really is the same nation as the Egyptians who enslaved the Jews. Um, so it must be that there were some Egyptians who did survive even after the splitting of the sea. So basically, we're back to our original question. How is it possible that Shlomo married the daughter of Paro? She's a first-generation Egyptian. First generation Egyptian. So just to point out, parenthetically, just in terms of a practical level, does this apply today? Does this not apply today? In terms of marrying a convert from Egypt? So this is a big discussion. Whether or not, today, do we say that it's the same nation of the Egyptians? We don't say that about with regards to any other tribe. We, there's also a prohibition. You're not allowed to marry people from Ammon and people from Moab, from different places. We say that Sancheirv came uh, and the Assyrians and, and the and they moved everybody around. We don't know where uh, the people originally came from. We don't know that. There is a question. Maybe the Egyptians are the same Egyptians. That, that is still an open question. But That's just a parenthetical point. We're back to the Gemara. Um, and we're discussing, Is it possible that? how is it possible that Shlomo married the daughter of Paro if she is a first-generation um, Egyptian? So I'm Repoppa. Are we asking a question from Shlomo, says Rapapa? That Repubb essentially says, Shlomo, King Solomon, actually did not marry them. Even though he uses the language that they got married, doesn't mean that they actually got married. As the Gemara says, it says that they got married. doesn't really mean marriage. It means They didn't actually get married, but they had a very, very close relationship. They had a great love towards each other, but not that they actually got married. So in the end of the day, end of the day, Repubhah is saying that Shlomo, King Solomon, did not marry them, did not marry her. She was first-generation Egyptian. Did she convert? Did she not convert? That is actually a good question. There's different opinions as to whether or not The daughter of power actually converted in the end. The Rambam Maimonides says that she did convert. Others say that she did not convert. That is a good question. Uh, But in the end of the day, uh, Shlomo did not marry them. And so therefore, it doesn't really mean that they got married, even though the language of the verse is that they got married. It really means that there was this great love that they had for each other. Let's see a few more lines. And then we will conclude because we're up to the next Mishnah. I apologize about going above the 20-minute mark. It goes back to our original discussion that we had in the Gemara. The Gemara said they wanted to know somebody, if a Kohen, uh, forget about Kohen, if a, if a Jew has crushed testicles, we said in the Gemara that they're allowed to marry a Nesina. It's permissible for them to marry a Nesina these converts who tricked Joshua. The question is, but it's not mentioned in our Mishnah. Our Mishnah is discussing a regular Jew, and it says they're allowed to marry a convert, but it doesn't mention the Nesina. Why not? It, the implication seems to be that it's not allowed. So Ravashi says, no, I'm no. Ravashi says, no, you can't infer anything. You can't make any inference from our Mishnah, because the end of the Mishnah says that the prohibition is only to those who are part of Kahal. On this part of the congregation, and the is not part of the congregation, so it should be allowed. It should be permissible. So, from the end of the mission, it sounds like it's permissible. From the beginning of the mission, it sounds like it's not allowed. You can't learn anything from the mission. You can't infer anything. You can't make any sort of inference from a mishnah. That's what Ravashi says. And that concludes the Gemara. And we will continue with the next mishnah, which will discuss other prohibitions of other nations that they're not allowed to marry into the Jewish people, even after conversion. That will be discussed in the next mishnah.